Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, 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 you guys, we made it to September. It feels like 2020 is the year that doesn't end to the tune of the song that doesn't end. But I hope that you are like me and you're trying to find all of the goodness in the midst of the hard. Seriously, I'm so thrilled that we're entering into fall. It might be my favorite season of the year. Usually it's because of football and that might look different this year, but... I love looking ahead and something that is super exciting that's looking ahead is that less than one month away, my newest book, You Be You, Are Closer Than You Think, will be out into the world for all of you to have. Now, there is still plenty of time for you to get your hands on all the pre-order goodies that I have for you. Here's what you need to know is that when you pre-order a book, it's going to show up when the book comes out. You don't have to think about it, but we want you to pre-order. So we're going to give you some things if you pre-order. One of the goodies that we're going to give you is that you're going to be able to join me and some of my favorite friends for a private virtual event. Think of it like a private happy hour. It's a happy hour book release party on September 30th. So I want you to be there. You're going to want to be there. Text UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. And we're going to send you all the links on how you can pre-order and how you can redeem your goodies. Today's happy hour guest is a gal from sunny California who's been making a difference in the lives of many for over the last decade with her jewelry company, The Giving Keys. Caitlin Crosby joins me today and we chat about everything from body image, learning to know when to pull back from all the things, friendship and dignity with the homeless and how our embracing of our imperfections might be the key to your purpose. Buckle up, friends. This is a fun happy hour. Here is my conversation with Caitlin. Kaylin, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Now, what you don't know is that previous to COVID, we would record all of our podcasts in person. Oh. What that means is if there were no COVID, the world would be a lot different, all the things. But you would be here in Austin, Texas with me, and we could actually have a happy hour. That would be so fun. I do remember Robin from Harbor Collins yes. told me that, that we would. Oh, that's sad. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so many things have been sad these days. And that's one of them for me is I love interviewing in person. It's so much fun. And I have missed that so much. But yeah. thank you for technology because we still get to do it. Yes. Okay. Introduce yourself to my listener. Tell us what you do, all the things. Yes. Okay. So my name is Caitlin Crosby. And I'm the founder and CEO of The Giving Keys, uh, where it's, it's a, it started as a, a jewelry company where we employ people that are trying to transition out of homelessness to engrave inspirational words like hope, love, faith, dream, belief, fearless, peace, let go, worthy enough, you know, just words like that on all of our products like key necklaces. And now we have different shapes and sizes and shirts and all that good stuff. And the premise is you get a word that you need, you embrace it, but then it's not just about you, Right pass it on, pay it forward to someone else you feel needs it more than you, and then tell them to pass it on to someone who needs it more than them. So now we have thousands of stories of the keys being passed all over the world. On our website, all the stories will make you cry. And we've been able to employ over 140 people that are trying to transition out of homelessness to engrave everything. 
So that's kind of what I did. I grew up doing music and acting and all that jazz, but then this took over my life on accident. And I just wrote a book about imperfections and a bunch of stuff like that. So that's me. And I'm a mom. You have two little babies. Yep. How old are your kids? I have a three-year-old named Brave, which is the coolest name in the world. It is. And then a one-year-old named Love, which is also the coolest name in the world. It is. In fact, I'll ask you about this. You just have a clothing company and it's called Brave and Love. Yeah. And I was like drooling over it all and loving it. And then I realized those are your kids' names. How cool is that? Yeah. You know, it's very on-brand. Very on brand, very on brand. Okay, so I want to hear the story of the Giving Keys, and I'm sure you've told it a million times, but I don't think I really actually know how it started, and was that always the mission that you had for it? So, grew up doing acting and music, and I was always really passionate about body image issues because I did this horrible movie with actress Brie Larson. And like over a decade ago, and they put our faces on the movie poster and they cut off our bodies and put other people's bodies below our faces. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. They can just do that? Yeah, I guess so. We didn't even wear the outfits that they had us in, in the poster. So it's like, you couldn't even work with what you had, like airbrush us at least or Photoshop <laughs> us. Like, nope, just like- We're giving you new bodies. <laughs> yeah, just like not you at all. Anyway, so- We started a website called loveyourflaws.com. We don't do anything with it now. You know, went around when I did music, took thousands of pictures of people when I was on tour, like my cankles are the new black or my chemo fried hair is beautiful. My acne is sexy. My scar saved my life. You know, my nose is, you know, so 2020 or or 2015 or whatever at the time, you know, some other good ones like love handles, more to hold on to, you know, all that. So got really into that. And then I was on tour and my first album was called flaws because i was obsessed with basically giving myself therapy from growing up in la like love your flaws love your flaws love your flaws like caitlin try to love your flaws and so everything at my merchandise table said love your flaws on it so when i was in new york passing through for tour the hotel room key was really cool so i put around my necklace got compliments on it the person in front of me i was at a locksmith one day was getting numbers engraved for their apartment on their key and i said "Ooh, do you have letters can you engrave love your flaws on this key and so he did. And then I saw all these old used keys on the side. And I said, Oh, while you're at it, can you do hope, love, faith, dream, believe? And this was 12 years ago. So this was before, I mean, at least I hadn't really seen that as a trend at that point. I just loved, I grew up in the church. I always loved everything that looked like it had the fruits of the spirit on it. (laughs) So then So I started just giving them away as gifts and then making jewelry out of them with my cuticle clippers and my tweezers very professional jewelry maker. And then I started selling them at my merchandise table and they started selling out more than my CDs. And I was like, okay. You're like, okay, you want the the leftover keys. Yeah. So thanks for coming to my show and buying these (laughs) freaking key necklaces. But I knew people were, were really resonating with the words. So then came up with the pass it on, pay it forward concept. And just, I, it was my favorite part about touring was I, I realized I hated performing and I would get so nervous, but I just loved talking to the people at the, after the show and hearing what was going on in their lives. Like, Oh, you just had a breakup or you just went through a divorce or you just lost your job or so-and-so has cancer. Oh, you need the strength key or you need a let go key to get rid of that douchebag. Am I allowed to yeah. say that? I don't know. You can say um, it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and 
Yeah. So that was my favorite part about touring were these old keys and helping people. And so that slowly took over my life, made a website. And then I knew there was a missing link. I knew I wanted the money to go to some sort of charity. I waited for about a year. And I always tell people, don't settle. Like when you have an idea and you think it's good, like, okay, that was good enough, right? It would have been good enough to have positive words on there. would have been good enough to then have the pay it forward, pass it on concept. But there was something deep down in my gut, like don't settle, there's more, there's more. And I could have done like, oh, 10% goes to this charity, 10% goes to that charity, but that also didn't feel like unique enough. So one day I left church by myself on Hollywood Boulevard and I was crying and I was like, God, what else can I do to help people? And right then I saw this young couple that were living in a dumpster in a cardboard box and they were holding up a sign that said, ugly, broke, and hungry. So I went up to them and said, why does your sign say that? And fell in love with them, got their life story, canceled my plans, took them to dinner. And the girl said she liked making jewelry. And I said, oh, this is my aha moment. You're the missing link to the giving keys. Do you guys want to be my business partners? And they were like, uh, what? Who is this crazy lady? But okay. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then I knew, you know, I just started hustling and getting them into stores. I was the barista in high school at Fred Siegel, which is like the coolest, most trendy place in LA. And once you're in Fred Siegel, other stores started thinking that we were a professional jewelry company. Yeah. <laughs> so then I started getting orders from all over the world and got some, you know, good press. So it just spread. And that original couple that lived in a dumpster in a cardboard box started saving up enough money. And then they got, they started staying in a motel, then they got their own apartment. And then we started partnering up with other nonprofits and screening more people. And yeah. So those were your first two employees? Yes. Oh my gosh. And then since then, this was in 2012, eight years. I started making them about 12 years ago, okay. in 2008. And then when okay, I was yeah. touring and then I met them like a year or two later, something like that. And then all of a sudden you're thrown into this side hustle that you're just like making keys and you yeah. find a couple to do it with you. When did it become your full-time gig? I was definitely doing it just kind of, yeah, out of the passion of my heart for the first few years. And then maybe uh, six or seven years ago in there, it started, yeah, fully taking over my life. And I was like, especially then when I got married I was like, I, I don't want to tour and be in a van with a bunch of dudes. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's kind of fun, but not really, you know, and yeah, then yeah, I yeah. wanted to get pregnant and that also don't want to be in a van yeah, and pregnant. So I just kind of dove straight in and it was like all the doors were opening, which I think is when you can follow, you know, learning to like lead where your life is supposed to go. I was auditioning here and there, but not booking anything. My voice, I had nodules on my vocal cords. So I couldn't really sing like I used to. And so all the doors were closing in entertainment and all the doors were opening in the key business. <laughs> I love it. A lot of times people are like looking for this big, like shining message in the sky. Yeah. And sometimes it literally is like you just said, like it was just the thing that kept happening. Yeah, totally. It was the thing I kept doing. Yeah. Which is so cool. Okay. So you have a book that came out in May in the middle of a global pandemic. It says you are the key turning imperfections into purpose. First of all, this is an amazing cover. Thank you. You look, you look so hot there, Caitlin. Thanks. I know you see me now in bed and I'm like, nah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you wrote a whole book about turning imperfections into purpose and you become the CEO of a company. You're working, you're married, you're making babies. Mm -hmm. And you said that you looked up one day and realized I'm workaholic. Mm -hmm. I am working too much. Now, here's what caught my eye. 
is you're a woman of a CEO of a company. I think that it's difficult sometimes for women to talk about workaholic stuff. And here's why I think, and you can push back if you want. I think because we're like, you know what? I can do anything a man can do. Like I can own a company. I can run a business. I'm for women like making their way and carving their paths. And then when you start to think like, wait, I think I'm a workaholic. Then you start to wonder, wait, I can do this, right? I can do all the things because Mm -hmm. we want to be able to do all the things. I could be wrong here, but I could feel, I could see how that pressure would be a little bit more. What was it like for you when you discovered, I think I'm working too much? I think it was when (laughs) I started going to the ER a lot for heart pains from stress. That might do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there's that book that came out years ago, that Girl Boss book. So I have, a, I have a chapter in the book called Girl Boss in the ER. And it just talks about, oh, you think you want to own your own company and have employee and you can make your own schedule? Oh, that sounds like the dream. Oh, here are all the reasons it's not. And so I just kind of talk about all of the things. And basically for me, my, I mean, it got to the point where my husband told me one day, He's like, Caitlin, the giving keys has eaten you alive. Mm. And I was just the stress, the stress of it all, the stress of like having to hit projection numbers to make payroll and, you know, having 80 employees. And I was just living with heart pain, literal heart pains where I constantly was feeling like I was having a heart attack Um, and not knowing to believe like this person with the taxing and then the, and then we had like embezzlement and then all of the things. And then I was trying to make up for the money that we needed. So it was just traveling all the time, speaking, speaking, traveling, traveling, like living at LAX and not seeing my husband. And then when I would see him, I was like, good night. You know, I just had nothing left. And then I really think I have gotten into the realm of compassion fatigue. Like I used to be like, I'm going to change the world. I, I don't even... Like I, this generation, I mean, this was a long time ago. I was that girl. I was like youth Mm -hmm. group cheerleader girl. Yeah. I was not a cheerleader, but like, I was like so into my youth group and, and like wanting to change the world and blah, blah, blah. You know, the issue of homelessness. And while I am, I still am passionate about it. It's so different because I think I got numb because I was so obsessed with it for so long that it's like, I didn't care about anything else other than this. And so I think now that I have two kids, I, I'm like, you know, it's changed a lot because now, you know, I've had all the high highs of certain success. Like I had my Oprah moment and one of the chapters in my book, I talk about, I couldn't believe the publisher let me keep this in the book, but I said, it brought me more joy to my life to be present with my three-year-old outside and meeting like slugs because he, so I said, it, I never thought it would bring me more joy to meet a slug than it did for me to meet Oprah. I always thought like, oh, when I meet Oprah, like then I've, you know, made it and that's like the happiest. But you know, after I met Oprah, I got all her super soul 100 affirmations and it was great. And then I went home and my life was the same and my husband was still annoyed at me because I'm gone all the time. Right, right. That's not joy and that's not success and that's not thriving and success, you know? So, So then what brought me real joy was once I had kids and just trying to learn to just be present with like, the snails in our front yard and just because I'm off my phone and my computer. So anyway, so that's kind of a long story of what it means for me to be, to try to not be a workaholic anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how do you still run your business and be president at home? Did you find a good balance? I I think I am now. I mean, with COVID, we were back up and running now, thank God, but we had to shut down for months and lay everybody off. 
It was devastating to the business. So we're, you know, we're hanging on. And so we are so grateful for all of the people that keep buying from us. And I think because people need all the words on the keys right now, everyone needs strength. So I think that's been good, but I'm not, you know, I haven't taken a salary in God knows how long, even though I'm still working on it every day, but instead paying this other person, woman to kind of run it and do the day-to-day management of the things that I, I just, I can't do if I'm trying to be present with my Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to find that balance. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. I love the mission of your business. I love it so much. Um, I've had plenty of giving keys come through my uh, my house. And so it's Aww. always so much fun to see them. Uh, tell me some fun stories of things that have happened with your keys around the world. Tell me some of your favorites. Yeah. I mean, it's I love that you phrase it as fun stories of them being passed on. But the reality is all the stories that you hear of when someone gives the key away, they're like usually when someone is going through something devastating and sad. And then it's like, oh my God, I have to give you this key. So, oh gosh, so many. I mean, some of them are, you know, as intense as, you know, I was wearing my courage key and, you know, I was feeling, I was struggling with depression. And then, you know, I met someone and heard that, and, and they, you know, let me know that they were struggling with suicidal thoughts. And so I gave them my key. So it it ranges from super intense things like that to um, this one girl had a um, a grace key and she adopted a little girl. And the birth mother was trying to decide what to name the little girl and wanted to work with the mother that was going to adopt her. And they decided to name her Grace. And the the mother, Talitha, gave the grace key to the birth mother. So now the birth mother that doesn't have the little girl anymore has the grace key, but the daughter named Grace is with the, oh gosh. So like things like that to like, oh my gosh, 
I like this one. I just read something about how a girl was going through fertility issues and yeah, just wasn't able to get pregnant. And someone gave her a, what word was it? I think it was, I think it was strength or faith. No, no, it was create. It was create. And you would think to wear a create key if you want to like yeah. be more creative in life. But it was like, no, I'm going to get you this create key because you you can't, you will create life. Oh. And she, yeah. And then she ended up going through all these treatments and doing like a embryo transplant and someone else carried. No, no, she carried the baby, but it was someone else's egg, the whole thing. And she wore her create key the whole time. And then she had a baby and then she gave her create key to another woman oh. that was trying to get pregnant. So stuff like that. that. I love that. Um, Okay, I've read parts of your book and you tell some really, really vulnerable stories in this book. Caitlin, I was like, I love this. And you're, you know, the title, the the part of it is, is turning imperfections into purpose. And I think a lot of times, you know, vulnerability and talking about our struggles, it's a thing right now. And I am a champion for being vulnerable, but I'm, I'm always a champion for being vulnerable with a purpose. Like, you know, you're right. like, where's your purpose in oh. sharing your mess and your stories. And I think you've done a really good job in this book of talking about I'm going to pull down, I'm going to pull behind the curtain and let you see what it's really like for Caitlin back mm-hmm. here. One of the stories that you talk about, and you talk about this a lot, what, earlier you were talking about love your flaws and just about body image with women. Mm-hmm. And it is this like, you think I'm 42 and you think you're going to get to an age where you'll be like, well, it is just what it is. <laughs> like, this is what we're working with here, people. But it's still so consuming sometimes that yeah. we think that we want to have everything that everyone else has, and that includes bodies. How have you, I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to say if you don't want to, but 38. how have, right 38. 38, that's right. right. How has that shifted for you over, you know, from a teenager to being 38? What does body image journey look like for you? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, thank you for sharing that because, you know, even though, you know, when I got to the last chapter of writing the book, I went to a therapy session because I was like, I need to say something really profound at the end here. And I feel like, and I was vulnerable about, I was real about it in the book saying like, I feel like I don't have my healing with like all my boob issues and I need to get healing so I can have a good ending to the book. So like you said, it's not just like, oh, here are my issues and then what, you know? And I sprinkled like the wisdom of things that have like helped through the years, like making affirmation cards. But I was like, but I feel like I need more, more than just like posted on my, you know, mirror that says like, I am unique and beautiful or whatever. (laughs) So she kind of took me through this whole process, which was really profound. And it was like a more holistic revelation that I had about, you know, though I don't like the deformity and you guys, if you... I mean, you probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say boob issues, but basically it's really TMI and go into details about- I was going to let you do whatever you wanted to do with it. Yeah, but it's like a lot of TMI about boob deformities, surgeries that have gone wrong. And, you know, and not everyone has had that situation. So maybe, you know, I'm sure women have different body image issues for, for, you know, for different reasons. So I think everyone can relate to a certain extent, but it's like, okay, because I have struggled with this from such a young age, focusing on it holistically, and I can't look at my deformed, scarred up breasts and say, oh, I love them. But I can look at, I can think of it as, wow, I love what it has created in me because it gave me a sense of humor because I was always the awkward, like, don't, don't kiss me because please don't touch my boobs because they're so disgusting. You know? So I feel like it, you know, I love my boobs because it made me funny. You know, I love my boobs, even though they're not good looking, but because it made me a compassionate, loving 
person and that, that cares so deeply about other women and that cares so deeply about teenagers going through puberty and awkwardness. Like I feel what they feel as a 38 year old. I'm like, I feel you. Mm -hmm. So I think, but to be honest, so even though I feel like I did get a lot of quote unquote revelation and wisdom about owning it, it's still a battle. I mean, especially now that I'm finishing up breastfeeding my second child, whew, that's not (laughs) cute now, extra not cute, you know? But, you know, trying to think of it as, you know, these breasts were made for feeding. For milking. Milking. And I'm trying to focus on that right now and focus on like, okay, I'm a female and this is what female bodies sometimes can do. And I am blessed that I was able to do that because a lot of women can't do that. And a lot of women, we can't all do what other people can do. So just focusing on the things that I can do. Yeah. That my body can do. That's right. Uh, Now that you have a daughter... She's your youngest. Mm-hmm. Well, here's a question for you. Walking through all that you've walked through with your body image and traumatic. I think some of it was so traumatic that you talk about. How does that change in how you're going to parent and talk to your sweet love? You know, I just last night at the dinner table for the first time, I started doing, I wanted to teach the kids about affirmations. And so Brave, even though he's almost four, he did not get it. But I, I was like, okay, so I'm going to say, I am peaceful. That's my affirmation. I am peaceful because that's what I want to feel. And I said, I also want, my other affirmation is I trust God. I don't know if that's an affirmation, but just a like yeah. something that I want to tell myself. And um, my husband's was, in this moment, I am happy. And then I said, brave, what do you want yours to be? Do you want it to be I am peaceful or I am creative or I am strong or I am whatever? And he, and he goes, I am peaceful with Elijah, with just like his friend. So yeah. I don't, I'm like, okay, he doesn't understand. But, um, but then love, I was, I was thinking about that last night. Like, yeah, what am I going to teach her? Like, you know, to focus on I am beautiful or I am unique or I am special. I, I, am, I am not my body. I am, I, there's so many things that we can kind of try to ingrain in them from a young age. So I'm going to dirt. And, and that is what I'm trying to do with that, the brave and love little like, you know, shirts, like trying to come up with phrases that are, that they can look at every day and kind of say, tell themselves. So they start believing it at a young age. Is that clothing line out yet? It will be in about a month or so. Okay. Um, yeah. But so everything, you know, says things like I will change the world or brave AF or, you know, a bunch of inspirational leaders and things like that. But I'm actually coming up with little new phrases now. And I was working on them this morning of like, yeah, thinking about just that. Like, what do I want to ingrain in my kids and other people that have kids, whether it's maybe it just says, I am love, I am peace, I am beautiful, I am, you know, unique and special, one of a kind. I love it. Okay. I want to ask you about mental illness. Yes. I am totally assuming here. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume working with the homeless population that you have employed people who struggle with mental illness Mm -hmm. only because just the statistics would say that a lot of people who are homeless would struggle with mental illness. I have a lot of friends that struggle with mental illness. Mental illness is this kind of taboo thing, especially in Christian culture, some that's a little scary to talk about. How have you guys handled that at the Giving Keys corporately and personally with your own life? So there was this one, one of my favorite employees, his name was Darnell. And everyone wanted to fire him 100 times. And I was like, no, he's my favorite. He's Darnell and he's so special. But, you know, he would cuss out managers and things like that and text me at, 
you know, two, three o'clock in the morning saying people are outside his house trying to kill him. And I was like, what? You know, and so, you know, kind of learning like, wait, are people trying to kill you outside or is this a mental health issue? And after years, he worked for us for about maybe five years and he was written up ooh, so many times. And I finally, finally let him go when people started feeling afraid and they were feeling like it wasn't fair that we were giving him so many chances, you know, and they had to abide by certain rules. And I just kept giving him chances. because I'm like, I can't let him go back on the street. But anyway, I just recently heard that he is now in a mental institution in Arizona and it broke my heart, but I think it is the best place for him to be, you know? So I was trying to connect with people that specialize, you know, in that field and that understand medication and people that are living on the streets and have gone through trauma. I mean, he saw his dad, when Darnell was nine years old, he's a twin. He saw his dad blow his brains out right in front of he and his twin brother. That's traumatic. Like I feel like Very I have traumatic. trauma from like, you know, certain things, but it's nothing yeah. like that. And I feel yeah. like I struggle with mental health a lot. And, you know, I think, and I wouldn't say that in my past, but I think I'm just starting to feel comfortable saying that because I think for so many years I was like, you know, speaking and like being quote unquote inspirational but now, to be honest, I think, I don't know if it was the quarantine, the pandemic, or having a break that made me realize it, but I think dealing with a lot of stress, like creditors calling me every day, was stressing me out so much that the anxiety I was feeling felt so insurmountable that no matter how much I was praying or what, you know, reading or talking to friends, like, it felt like nothing was helping. And so, but certain things in the mental health world have been really helpful for me in meditating on certain like helpful phrases, I guess. One of them being, my mind is not going to tell me what to think. I'm going to tell my mind what to think. Like, you're not in charge of me. I'm in charge of you. And kind of, you know, you're not the boss of me, mind. I'm yeah. the <laughs> I just realized it sounded like that. But like, that's what it was feeling. It was feeling like my mind was in control of me. And it was like addicted to these negative tapes and addicted to this stressful, not trusting God, not trusting life, not trusting my higher power anxiety in my everyday moment. It's like, that's no, no way to live. I don't want to live this way. So, so kind of taking, taking charge of that. And then also doing things for your mental health, things that I would never do, like running. Oh gosh. I grew up, <laughs> I was like, I think maybe because I grew up in LA and people that work out, especially maybe because I'm blonde. I would just like, I don't want to be categorized like, oh, you're blonde and you like work out like, ew, I don't know. Like, I don't want to, that sounds ju judgy, but I think I just like, I'm like, oh no, I don't work out. I'm not that right. Girl. Like I'm only friends with people that don't work out. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but now I realized, oh, it got to the point where I was so stressed and I was like, I need to run. I need my body to like my nervous system to like get this stuff out. And so now that's my new thing is running for my mental health, not just because I want to like, not because I want to have a nice body, but because right. I need to for my mental health. And when I do my runs in the morning, I do my little prayers, I do my serenity prayers. This is like funny. You know that Rachel, song, that what's her name? Platin song, the fight song. This is uh -huh. fight song. I'll literally yeah. run. I love that song. Sing it to myself. Yeah. Take back my life song. <laughs> no, I'm anyway, so that's a little me mental health. I love it. Okay, so I love your journey with mental health. Has that been a struggle for you as you said you wouldn't have said that previously and you can say it now and you don't know if it was like slowing down in COVID or whatever. Um, have you felt the tension of struggling with anxiety and however else it might replicate itself in your own life? I mean, you said you were having like these, you know, chest pains when you were working so much. Has there been a struggle for you to 
be vulnerable with that and admit that and still know that you can be in charge and be a great mom and be a great wife? Like, have you felt that tension? Um, I think what has helped me be able to, yeah, live in that tension is this little philosophy, which is letting yourself fail and giving yourself permission to fail. We bought our house from this woman who had a really cool job. She worked for the Ellen show and she had two kids and she seemed like she had her stuff together. And I was, and I asked her, I was like, how do you do it? How do you juggle it all? And she was like, you know what? Right now I only work and I take care of my kids. I'm a horrible daughter. I never see her talk to my mom and I never see her talk to my friends. I am a horrible friend. So I have to let myself fail at that so I can do these things. And so it it kind of, it was a little aha moment for me. And so I started thinking, I'm going to choose something to fail at every day. So I'm not kind of feeling shameful that I'm failing at it. No, I'm choosing to fail at it because I'm not a like Wonder Woman robot. Like I'm a human being. I'm just a human and I cannot do everything. So, so giving ourselves grace, allowing yourself and choosing to fail at certain things and choosing to say, no, I'm going to not do that. For instance, one day I, um, you know, I would spend time with Bray before he would go to preschool and then I would go, go to work. But one day I was like, well, I need to take care of my body. I need to do some, cause I wasn't taking care of my body at all. Like I wasn't moving my body at all. It was like car ride, sitting at the desk, car ride, sitting at the desk. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be one of those girls and do a yoga class. So I go, this is before quarantine. So I go to, yeah. you know, yoga in the morning and then I came home and I was going to shower and get ready. It was a hot yoga class too. So I was drenched. I was like soaking wet. It's my sweaty, favorite by the way. Day. Yes. Yes. And then I was going to, you know, shower and get ready and go to work. But Brave, my little boy, because I didn't spend time with him, when I came home, he was like, you know, wanting to be with me and hugging me. And he's like, no, 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 no. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to choose what to fail at. So I'm going to fail at like good hygiene today. So I I didn't (laughs) shower. I just played with him. I sat there on the floor. I had like, you know, 15 minutes before I had to leave. And I just, you know, played with him, did some Legos and whatever. And then I got in my car and left to go to my work meeting. And I was like cold, wet, like wet, cold at this point, disgusting, smelly, didn't even brush my teeth and went to some like quote unquote important meeting. Uh-huh. And I remember driving to the office with a big smile on my face thinking, you know what? See, like I chose to fill out that and I don't feel shame about it. But if I didn't make that decision, I might've been driving and just feeling like, Oh, I'm disgusting. Look at me. You would have told yourself another narrative because totally. that would have been in charge instead yeah. of you in charge. Yeah. Yes. Choose to fail. Okay, what am I going to fail at today? Well, yeah. I could pick up my office because it has stuff everywhere, but I'll just choose to fail at having a clean office today. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. seems to okay. be on my list every day, though. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's on my list. Caitlin, I've loved you guys and your company for years and years and years. And I I think this book is beautiful, beautiful written, and people are going to be super encouraged from it. I would love to ask you, I like to ask everyone, what are you loving these days? What are you reading? What are you listening to? What What's Caitlin loving? Yeah. The book I'm reading right now well, is No Drama Discipline okay. by Dr. Some, oh, I have it here. What is it called? I do have it next to my bed. I joke that that I've had it next to my bed for about a year, but I only got to chapter one. <laughs> oh, but I've seen that book before. Bu- bu- Dr. Bu- bu- Daniel before. Siegel. And he also wrote The Whole Brain Child and something like that. Anyway, but I had it next to my bed for a year and yeah, only got to chapter one because I don't have time to read. So then the Audible, and I just put the Audible on like times two. So it's like a chipmunk, but they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's and how then, I listen to podcasts. Yes. Yeah. So that's been good. Um, what the shows I'm into right now, 
I mean, it's like my medicine is Real Housewives on Bravo. Mm. Which it, one? It brings joy to my soul and solace, restful solace to my life. I really like, well, right now I'm into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and New York. Okay. I really like the new cast member in New York named Leah. She has a company called Married to the Mob and she's, <laughs> mm. and it's just great. Okay. I remember the you? first, I used to watch Real Housewives of, I guess the only one in California, Beverly Hills. Yeah. Oh, no, there's also Orange County. Real Housewives. Oh, it was Orange County. It was Orange County. Yeah. It was years and years ago. And this is so funny how we haven't always had cable. And so one of our, this is weird. One of our kids was in the hospital for like an extended amount of time. And so I fell in love with that TV show and like, I was like, like my, the kid was too young to know like what was happening. So I just watched all the time. So yeah. I haven't watched it. I'm watching blackish right now. Ooh, it's cracking me up. It really? like literally I'll lay in bed. It's a 30 minute sitcom, which are not my favorite things usually, yeah. but I'll be laying in bed and my husband will come in and I'll just be cracking myself up at That's the TV show. So it's so funny. funny to I me. love it's that. So oh, I need to check it out. Yeah, I know yeah. I felt like kind of a bad mom, but I gave myself grace because we're in a pandemic, but brave woke up from his little nap and I was watching Real Housewives of New York and he came and sat with me and I thought he was going to be like, you know, put on something else, but he didn't. So he kept watching it. And it and like I heard probably the most inappropriate thing I've ever heard in my entire life on TV. Like, <laughs> I mean, I have to tell you offline because I can't even repeat it. And he watched it. And he didn't know what it meant. And I and I was like, oh, that, he, she meant a, a, a cat, like a pussy cat, like not. It hopefully, it went right over his head. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, like, yeah. You're still at the stage where like they can he- see things or hear things, and you're like, I don't think they got it. I think yeah. it's like in one ear and out the other. Yeah. My kids, on the other hand, are like. I mean, there's 12 to 16, so we're in, like, everything matters That's over here. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin, thank you so much. Thank um, you so much for It's a joy to me. chat with you and meet you, and I hope... I have to send you some new cute little giving keys and brave and oh, love. love it. Stuff, so I'll, I I'll cannot wait till your shirt line um, launches. It's so cute. So thank cute. Thank you. Um, thank you. Guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Caitlin today. Don't forget to check out her new kids clothing line, the Brave and Love Collection. While you're at it, go ahead and text UBU, one word, no spaces, to 33777 so we can help you pre-order my newest book that releases on October 1st. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper. The music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Abigail Castell writes our show notes and Lindsay Sweeney organizes the whole thing. Friends, enjoy your week. Enjoy the first week of September. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I'll see you guys back here on Friday with Girls Night podcast host, Stephanie Mae Wilson.